Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Welcome to episode number two. On today's show, we are joined by Javier, and we talk about Peruvian culture. I'm your host, Nick Smith, and this is Culture Apology. Welcome, everyone. Uh, this is Culture Apology, and I want to introduce our guest tonight. And his name is Javier, and we are going to talk about Peruvian culture. Javier, you want to say uh, hello to everyone? Absolutely. Hello, everybody. Internet land. Welcome. Uh, thanks for having me here, Nick. Appreciate it. Yeah, Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you as well. Um, so I want to start off with a little bit about your background, your history, uh, where you grew up and, you know, where you've gone to from then to now. Absolutely. Um, well, I'm originally from Lima, Peru. I, uh, I came here when I was, it was the summer of 90 or the beginning of the summer of 1990, May of 1990. I was, uh, about to turn 14 and my, my parents actually came, <clears throat> I think, about four or five months before me, just on a vacation. And uh, they decided, you know what? Like, things were really bad in, in Peru at the time in 1990, in the late 80s. It's a lot of terrorism, a lot of uh, things going on in the country, a lot of turmoil. And my parents didn't know what was going to happen. Uh, there was a new guy who had just run for president and, and won. His uh-huh. name was Alberto Fujimori, which was uh, sort of uh, I mean, we, nobody knew anything about him. Like he was just kind of, I think it was an independent or um, I forget, but you know, had a lot of like grandiose ideas about what's going to happen. Right. And, uh, but it sounded good, but kind of too good to be true type of thing. And my parents didn't know what's going on. My parents, oh, go ahead. I said that's usually how it goes. It's okay, go ahead. Be good to be true. Right, right. Yes. Yeah, so then, so they came here on vacation. I said, you know what? Let's just just move out here and just kind of start over and see what happens. Now, my parents, they were they were doing really well in Peru. I mean, things were good. They're both professionals. You know, we had a house. So we were living comfortably. But like again, a lot of turmoil, a lot of uh, not knowing what might happen, and they were just afraid that. Although we may have been able to go to university and, you know, have degrees, they didn't know if we were going to have jobs or anything like that. So they decided, hey, let's try it over here. So in 1990, moved out here. My my dad went back with my sister uh, a few months after. And uh, just to kind of sell things off, my, my sister was in her last year of school, so she wanted to finish school out there. I was starting... My freshman year, I guess, what it would have been that that right. following uh, September. So I'm like, whatever, I'll just stay here. I was super excited. Um, just a kid, you know. Yeah. So that's basically it. And I, and I have I did not return to Lima until uh, two years ago. 
November. <laughs> Been over thirty about thirty years. Oh man. It was crazy. Yeah, um I think uh I Yeah, think but it was if I remember right, you were in Lima, I would want to say a month or two before I was in Lima. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was I, right around the same time. I went at the end of June two years ago, June, July, and I think you were there just 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 a little bit before. I was I was I was a few months after you actually. Were you? Um, because I went, I went November. Was it November of 2018 or 2017? Jeez, I forget. Because uh, let's see, it might have been seven. No, 18. Jeez, I forget. Like the years just totally get you, you lose track when you have kids. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know what year. Uh, so yeah, three, two, three years ago or something. It was it was a few months either before or after I think that you went. I was so jealous. I'm like, oh man, you were there. Uh <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love this. It's a really cool place. Really nice. We, I, I would love to go back. Oh yeah, it's all about, it's all about that food. Uh, the food. I just want to do a food, food tour of Peru. That's all. I like when I went with my wife this last time, we went. It was just her and I, and I went for my twenty fifth uh, year, my reunion, my uh, twenty five year reunion for school. Because I'm still friends with all my friends in in school through like right. you know. Uh, Facebook and they use WhatsApp as far as like communication, communication. Cause it's, you know, you don't have to pay for per text or whatever. It's great. I think most of the world is into WhatsApp. Yeah. Most of, most of the outside world is, um, I, I use it. Yeah. So it's yeah. great. Yeah. So, so, um, I'm still friends with them and you know, we had our reunion there and it was a blast. It was so much fun. I forgot how Peruvians really party. <laughs> <laughs> like the party didn't start until like I think it was they said after ten o'clock. I got there on ten thirty and there was nobody there. At night. This is at night. Yeah, you know, and that's one of the things that uh I've I've heard and read about Peruvian culture is their time is different. So if they say oh, yeah. at ten they don't expect you to show up until ten forty five, eleven. And if you show up early, <laughs> there's not gonna be anybody there. Absolutely. That's exactly what it was. And it's, it's hilarious because I had another, I have another friend who also came. She lives in Michigan now and, uh, she's been living here for just as long as I have. Yeah. And, uh, so, so her and I have really assimilated to the, the culture in the country here. Right. Because we basically now have lived here longer than we lived in Peru. Right. So anyway, we are the first ones there. Like we came separately. We were the first ones at the, at this party and we're like holy cow like nobody's here like it's crazy they didn't show up for like an hour or two after oh man and yeah, i mean it didn't really get didn't get really started to like close to midnight and yeah. and it was at our friend's house in their backyard and it's a neighborhood right i mean right it went on i left at close to four in the morning Wow. And they had a DJ and it was loud and nobody complained. It was crazy. I'm like, holy cow, I forgot. And every four o'clock, I'm getting, I'm tired. I have to catch a flight to Cusco at six in the morning. So I have to leave, go home, literally nap for 45 minutes, then get ready to go to the, to, to the, uh, to the airport. And that's the only reason I left. I mean, we were the, I think we were the second people who left oh, at four in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> Fun. Uh, I, you know, I, I want to go there when we go back. I do want to go there. I, I've seen a lot when we were in Lima about who's going and 
how it is a must it is absolute must to do uh i my parents uh they did a really good job like this one of the things you know talking about our culture and stuff my parents really tried to instill this this um uh, this thing in, within me and my sister or sister and i that try to visit as much and see as much and eat as much of the country like try to see it all try to taste it all try to do everything it's just so you know where you come from and right. appreciate all that stuff so my parents really took us when we were kids they would take us on trips every you know vacation or every holiday uh we would travel so we would go like up and down the coast yeah the few places we didn't go we didn't go into the jungle because uh both my parents had been there but they were like, ah, I gotta be a little bit older because it's kind of dangerous and yeah. it's it's scary because there's a whole bunch of bugs and things and crazy. And my mom wasn't super like stoked about it to begin with, but then she was waiting for us to get older so we could go to Cusco. Well, we came here instead, and then we never went back. My parents haven't still. My my dad has gone to Cusco before. My mom had. I don't think he's ever seen it. Um, so it's something that I. I didn't have to figure out how to do that, but now my mom is like, you know, 80 years old and I don't think she can get up all those crazy stairs, but yeah. that's one thing that we will, we will go there. Uh, it, a must. Yeah. That's, for, that's what I heard. For sure. It's a must. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. I, I am glad though that we, uh, we went to, to Lima. I mean, Lima was yes. simply amazing. If, if, if nobody's ever been to Lima, you know, they have, there's so so much in Lima, and just for those of you that yep. you don't know, Lima is the capital. But it, it, it's there's so much to do there. There's so much to see, and you can almost walk everywhere and see yep. something. Absolutely. You know, when we were there, we we ended up getting a bus pass, and we rode the bus to um, go to the different areas. You know, Barranca. Yep. And uh, yep. um, what was the other one? I forget. Mira Flores, Barranco. Flores, yeah. Yeah, Flores, yeah. Uh, yeah, Flores is, is a popular place. It's a very, like, there's a lot of shopping, a lot of, you know, it's definitely a happening place out there. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, just, but, but just walking around the city of Lima, you know, you have museums yeah. everywhere. And you can just yeah. walk in, and there's so many different artifacts from so many different ages did you do the, did you do the catacumbas the, the catacombs uh, yes we did we went to the the uh, um the um uh, the and then we went down into the catacombs and it was awesome i mean it was you know we went on the tour and i i think i was the only one in the tour that didn't speak spanish uh-huh. and so you know when they were going through everything my wife you know she was tra- trying to translate it <laughs> tell me what everything was, but just seeing everything. I mean, that, that monastery, I think they said it was, right. from, I think the 1600s, I think it was, was when that monastery. Yeah, absolutely. Was. And, you know, then going down into the catacombs yeah. and seeing everything, it was funny because I had to, I had to hunch down when I was walking because, you know, I'm six foot tall and the, cat, the catacombs aren't, aren't yeah, you know, they're a giant. Yeah. And, and, uh, it was, it was really cool to see. It was, it was awesome. It was, it was really cool. Yeah. I, I felt like I was in, uh, Indiana Jones. Now I remember part in, in Peru, like when I was in school, like in 
elementary school, you know how you go on like field trips. Yes. One of my field trips was to the catacombs. Oh, really? Like, so I remember, I remember that. I remember the smells and all that stuff. But then just going back this time again, it was like super duper cool. Like it was just basically going back in time, literally. You know, I mean, yeah. going back in time like hundreds of years. So yeah, it was and, really, uh, really awesome to see. Yeah, it, it felt like going to a. Uh, like either Harry Potter slash uh, like uh, Indiana Jones type of thing. We've got yeah. that many skulls and <laughs> yeah, and it, it, it's interesting, you know because people see you know they think oh catacombs and they think of those things, but until you really see it, it's it's I mean it's it's a really amazing thing to go see. And if anybody ever goes yeah. to Puma, I would highly recommend going to there yeah. to see that. Uh, and it's uh it's uh creepy as well because if you think there's there's thousands probably i would see of uh skeleton bones and skeleton bones and stuff like that so it was like that's a lot of people dude because that that's not fake that's not hollywood stuff no, <laughs> that's no, real. Yeah. I mean, like, there, there are thousands of bones and thousands of skulls yeah and it's bananas it's crazy i mean you're literally within inches and it's not like they have you know glass up and all these things to keep i mean you're you're right there you're literally yeah. i mean if if you wanted to, you could probably reach out and touch them, which, I mean, I wouldn't do that because, I, I mean, that's kind of – You're not supposed to take pictures, and that was no. that was horrible. I, I took a few pictures, and I had to share like I'm like, I need to. I, I need to. I, oh, I, yeah, with my phone, I, like, stay back. I'm like <laughs> – Yeah, finally, they're going to come after me. But I didn't, I didn't, uh, it was uh, unreal. I didn't do that. I thought about it, but I was like, ah, nah. I'll send you some so you can, re- uh, you can remember. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, you can look online. I think it's it, it's uh, it's under the Monastery of San Francisco. I think that's yep, yep. Monastery. Is, so. That's it. Uh, that's exactly it. And that that place is really cool. But yeah, I mean, just walking through the city, I mean, you have all these different museums with with just different things, uh, different things to see. You know, we went to uh, I think it was the Miraflores district, and we went to see Huacapucana. Uh, Oh yeah. And that, that was really cool to see because that they said, uh, it's a pyramid for those of you that don't know. It's a pyramid and they found it under a sand dune, I think in 1980. So it's it's really recent and it's not even fully uncovered yet. And it's really cool to see. I can post some pictures after the episode airs of some of the pictures I took there, but it, I mean, that was really, that's one of the things that actually. I did not get to see that. Like, I don't know. I don't think it's in Miraflores. I forget where it is. Uh, I didn't get to go. It's like literally in the center of Lima or like pretty, it's like right outside of Lima or something. I forget. And uh, I'm like, Oh, we got to go to that. And we just ran out of time. Even though I spent like 12 days in there, like I still ran out of time because there is just way too many things to see. Like you're saying. Yeah. There's so, so much, much to see there. I mean, there's so much to see, you know, at, I can't even explain how much in Lima itself and the surrounding districts of Lima, it just, there's, there's so much, you know, we, we, the culture is something else. Yeah, it it is. It's, it's amazing. You know, we, we went there and we saw, you know, um, I mean, it it was on a, a, like a Sunday and it was like a Sunday service type of thing where they were going through the streets and they had, you know, the, the music playing, you know, the bands were out there playing and everybody was dressed up, you know, in their, their clothing, bright clothing. And, you know, they were carrying, I, I don't quite know what it's called, but it's this 
big standard type thing. Um, you know, it's a religious thing that they, they also have yep. in, in the, uh, the monastery and just going through the yep. streets and, you know, playing the music and walk. It was amazing to see. I mean, everything was amazing there. Yeah, they do. They do those. Um, oh my gosh, the, the name escapes me right now, but, um, whenever there is any religious type of holiday, um, you know, their religion is part of the culture. So, um, you know, Catholicism is huge, even though, and then there's some people who are very, you know, very religious because it's part of your culture, even though you might not be practicing, it's still part of you. Um, when I went to school, I, I was lucky enough to go to private school and even then, like, I mean, we had a religion class. So, um, you learn about, you know, Catholicism. So you learn, learn about your religion and it's ingrained in you since day one, you know? And, uh, so you have all these masses or whatever these, like where you go outside and, you know, they have these like, uh, like saints or, or, uh, you know, Virgin Mary or whatever it might be. And they're basically like carrying them yes. like, throughout the street. And then and those are pretty big. It, it um, huge. I, I, and I did take some video of it and, I mean, it was really cool to see. I mean, you know, that's not something that we see here in the United States. And I mean, going down there and seeing it was just, I mean, it was simply, it was amazing. Yeah. So, I mean, so let's get into the the culture a little bit. Um, You know, speak, you know, we kind of talked about some of the, the, the food, we touched on the food a little bit. Let's talk about how mm-hmm. the food plays into the Peruvian culture. I mean, cause they, the, um, the is, is, I mean, it's very specific to Peru. Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, in California, you know, we, we're, we talk about like the United States being a melting pot of, of cultures, obviously. I mean, people from all over the world come here and are here and, it's natural for that to, to bleed into, you know, whatever the, the actual culture of the area is. So same thing with Peru, um, you history, I think goes back, you know, you have way, way back, like African, um, you know, people like slaves basically brought in. Um, and then you also have immigrants from like Japan, from China, you have people from Europe, like, uh, especially like, Italy, uh, Spain, bringing coming here, coming coming to the the country, and all their influence directly influences the food. One of the main things that Peru is known is for their their food. They're, 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 they have some of the top you know restaurants in the world out there at this point. I mean, I think the number within within the ten number one restaurants, there's like one or two, I think, in there. It's it's pretty amazing the type of the food that comes out there, and it's all literally a melting pot. Um, for example, um, lomo saltado is one of their 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 main dishes. So you probably will get there. Everything's usually served with rice, but this particular dish is like French fries and then um, usually steak. It's really that's cut, and it's it's usually like filet mignon. Like that's the part that's actually, so it's nice and tender with like sauteed onions and tomatoes. And it's, it has like soy sauce on it uh, and like green, um, green onions. 
So it has a little bit of that Asian infusion to it. And, uh, you know, French rice, which is kind of odd, yeah. but it's all mixed up. And then you, you serve with a side of rice and it's the most delicious thing you can get. It's so simple. It's just delicious. Right. Uh, ceviche is another one. A yeah. lot of fish, yeah. obviously. It's huge and, there. And ceviche is different than ceviche here in, in California, which is directly influenced by like either Mexico or like the, the Central America, which I think they use like salsa for. Right. Um, there's tomato in there. And there's and then ceviche in Peru is very simple. It's just like the fish, whatever fish you might get, and it's a lot of uh, lime juice and literally onion, and it's uh, served with what potato and sometimes sweet potato, and then their corn, the big giant like corn nuts type of corn. Yes, those were because uh, you get those at every every time you go sit down and eat, they give you some of that, and it, it's awesome. Everywhere. Uh, potatoes is huge. Potatoes is obviously everything served with rice, but potatoes, we have over a thousand varieties of potatoes in Peru. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. There's so many different kinds. Um, they all have a different texture or different flavor and they serve different purposes and it's the different colors and things. It's, it's really, really cool. Um, but they have anticuchos, which is like, I don't know if you had them when you were there, but they're basically I, marinated beef heart. I loved Anticucho. My wife didn't didn't like it so much. So I had it, and I, I I mean it was, and I you know I've never eaten beef hearts before, and it was, <laughs> I mean it it was awesome. That one of the things I'm like, I can, I want to go back there and eat some anticuchos. Yes, anticuchos are amazing. Just because that marinade is like so strong, like it's like vinegar and like all these different like uh, spices in it. And it makes that beef tender, you know, and if, and, yeah. and it's just the way that it's cooked too. It's cooked in a, like, you know, um, everything is, it's barbecue style type, but, but it uses, you know, like real wood and stuff. So like that flavor that you get is just phenomenal. It comes from not just the, the product itself, but like the way that it's cooked. Right. Yeah. It was, it was really, really good when we, we, we had it. Um, yeah. One thing that there's a lot of, like I said, a lot of Chinese, a lot of Chinese influence, a lot of Italian influence, like a lot of noodles. Um, they have, you know, fideos verdes, which is like usually, and then you'll, you'll have that with a steak. And it's basically just like noodles with like green sauce. The green sauce is like pesto sauce that way you would get here pretty much. Um, a little bit changed, but, um, it's virtually the same deal. Um, and they serve with like steak usually, or some eggs on top of it. Oh, man, that stuff is bomb. Um, <laughs> then uh, what else? Like, uh, minest- so they have minestrone soup here in, in the United States. Well, obviously, straight from 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 Italy, they have minestrone out there, and it's, it's very similar. It's not as probably as, I don't know, It's it's got more of a basal base in Peru, mm-hmm. at least from what I remember. It's, oh, man, that stuff is bomb, and it's got, like, you know, all sorts of vegetables and the, the, the things that you get there too are a little different. There's different vegetables, there's different fruits. Yes. Lucuma, for example, you probably have lucuma ice cream, I assume when you were there or maybe not. I don't know. Um, I don't don't remember. So their ice cream, lucuma is one of the, the, um, probably the most famous fruits, Peruvian fruits, basically, um, sort of looks like, I think like a little peach, but it tastes like literally. It tastes like butter pecan. If you can, <laughs> it's like butter pecan in a fruit. Yeah. And uh, man, their ice cream is ridiculous. It's so creamy and just yummy. Um, 
uh, they have a lot of like different fruits that you get, and then the food is huge. Like their avocados are big, their oh. mangoes are gigantic. Yeah. So, and, and that's you know that's the thing. My uh, my wife and I we were, we were talking, and you know the the fruit here when you go to South America, and it doesn't matter wherever you are in South America, it, the fruit is so much bigger juicier and it just blew my mind when we were out there to see what our little tiny avocado looks like to an avocado from South America. I mean, it's huge. And a lot of it I think happens, happens to be with uh, the fact that, you know, where, where we buy our stuff, we buy our stuff in the supermarket, right? So everything is made, everything is made to just mass produce. So they don't let like the fruit, they pick it before it really is ripe. Mm -hmm. So I think, that's a lot. Of, uh, if you, I assume, if we go to like an avocado ranch or avocado farm, you would see those big giant avocados. Or if you go to like a mango place, and then you like, yeah. you might see those big ones. Uh, yeah. But in Peru, because everything, I mean, obviously we have supermarkets and all that, but I think the distances are not as as long, or I don't know what it might be. I mean, it's not not a big country either. It's not as big as you know the United States you're talking about. It's not. So, I know that, yes, like you said, there are some supermarkets, but I know that culturally they, they like to shop at local markets more. A hundred percent. A big yeah. box store like we do. You know, we absolutely we have some farmer's markets that you go to and some people go to it, but it's it's not nearly as, as important to our culture as it is in Peru where they would rather shop at a local market than 100%. a big box store. Yep, Absolutely. So I think that might be a big difference where, you know, like you said, instead of mass producing just to get the things out, they are allowed to let everything grow to what they should be. And then, you know, it's, it's put into yep. it. Yeah. It makes it more uh, enticing for the consumer to be like, oh, I want to buy that big giant one. Yeah. <laughs> it makes it do itself. Yeah. And, and it's, it's much different than here, you know, where, Everything, like you said, is in the big box store. And we, when we were there in Peru, you know, we were there for an extended period of time. We wanted to go get food and we went down to the markets. And I mean, it was, it was different than what, say, even say a farmer's market is here. You know, we, it, it almost looked, I don't want to say like a mall, but there was different levels of this market and every level had, you know, stands, you know, you can find eggs here. You can find whole chickens that still were, I mean, they they were were dead, but they were fresh and it was the whole chicken, you know, and. Oh, absolutely. Everything there. I remember going, I remember going to the market, not this time around. I didn't do that. But when I was a kid, my, my dad, my parents always took us to the market and, uh, the chickens was the craziest thing. I remember the smell. There would be a live, there would be live chickens. You say, I want that one. I'll be back in like 20 minutes. So you can yeah. you basically pick the one and then you go around this giant market. And in the meantime, they're like, they basically put the, the chickens upside down in this like funnel thing. So their, their heads are sticking out and whoosh, they chop their heads off and boom, like the blood just starts whoosh, like, you know, <laughs> dropping down to this yeah. huge vat and I'm like ah like and the chicken would be like you know shaking you and I was a kid I'm looking at this and I'm like what the heck this is crazy and the smells of it they would be just nuts and then they like they take them out and they put them in like hot boiling water to like yeah. defeather them or defeather whatever you call them. it yeah and then 
they clean it all up, they chop it up, and boom, you come you come back. It's a fresh chicken, and you have yeah. totally fresh chicken. It's crazy. Yeah, it, it's it's so much different than, like I said, than the, the farmer's markets here because, yeah, you have some fresh produce and you have a fresh couple of fresh things, but there everything is – and it's and it's huge, you know. Yeah. It's, it's – Absolutely. I would say it does rival a big box grocery store. Right, right. Uh, stuff that is there, but it's all completely different. Yeah. And it's, you know – those people have their chickens and then you can or yeah. find the chickens over here or eggs here or bread yeah. here or the cheeses or anything that you're looking for is in these markets and just being able to walk around. And like you said, the smells, the smells, <laughs> it, you, you don't get that kind of a smell here. No. No. <laughs> when you go down there, it's, it's completely different and it's, it's a absolutely. cool thing to experience. A cool experience. Absolutely. Absolutely. So yeah, they, it's, definitely the food is is the major thing in in in, in Peru and all of it. Uh, Lima, obviously, that's where I spend most of my time. But like, even when I went to Cusco, like, uh, cuy is a it's a it's a very famous thing to to have. It's basically guinea pig. Yeah, that's so, the thing that we didn't get to eat was was that I. Yeah. You can have it in Lima, but it's not as popular. But if you go to like the, anywhere in the Andes and like the mountains. Uh, my dad is from Huaraz, which is another another city in like the Andes region. Um, it's about it's north northeast of of Lima, um, but and then Cusco is south um, southeast of Lima. And anyway, um, the cuyas and uh, you know it's the thing that you eat all the time, sort of like chicken. I mean, it's that's what they eat, and it's. Uh, they they breed them specifically for that, you know, like they right. fatten them up and all that stuff for for eating. And it's, you know, I remember when I was a kid, I wasn't really into it. But last last time I came, last time I went, we ordered one, and man, it was phenomenal. It's just all about how they they cook it and yeah. you know they present it for you. They love to present it in its full glory. Yes. By the way, yes. right? You know, standing. <laughs> Like you said, it's it is guinea pig, and so you you think of a guinea pig, you're like, oh yeah, it's my cute little, my kid. There, they're not they're not as little; they're bigger, and like you said, they they are grown for food. Yes, and and yes, they do. I have seen pictures and whatnot of it presented in all its glory with everything there, you know, and I. I, it is something that I didn't get to try, but I would love to. Maybe, maybe if the face wasn't looking at me. <laughs> you can ask them, hey, can you quarter it or whatever? You can. Yeah. But if you don't ask them, they will say, yeah. they will do the funniest thing. We went we went to Cusco, right? Uh, like the second, like the next morning after we arrived, like, let's go get some food. So we went to this hole in the wall, great food. And then in there, there was a family they were not locals, but Peruvian at least. Right. Um, and it was a whole family. It's like mom and the a couple of kids, probably like a grandma or grandpa or something. It was like six or eight of them. And there was a little kid and it was like probably like the age of my, my son or like eight, nine, ten years old or whatever. And they, they order a cooey, right? So they bring it when they brought it, dude, they brought it. It was like the Lion King pretty much. Like they had propped it up and it was like going, ah, oh, like sticking his mouth. And he, they had put a carrot in his mouth or I forgot a potato in his mouth. So I was like, ah, 
Oh my gosh, it was the funniest thing. And the kid looked at this plate and freaked out. <laughs> it was the funniest thing. And then immediately they took it out and then they quartered it and they brought it back and it was fine. But the kid like freaked out. It was like basically seeing his pet like in a plate on a plate and he's freaking out. We died laughing. It was just so funny. But they love doing that. They love you know showing it. That culture shock of let's give Absolutely. It, let's give it to them. Yeah. Yeah, I, I do want to try that one day. Uh, yeah, it's it's definitely cool. It's it's worth trying. It, it tastes, you know, it's pretty. T- I I thought the last time I was really tasty. Yeah, oh, I'm sure. I'm sure it's I'm sure it's delicious, just like everything yeah. else that's there. And we yeah. had, you know, one of the favorite things that we had when we were there was these uh, these little um, picarones. Say what? Did you try picarones, which is like the donuts, the fried donuts. Um, I did have those, and those are really good. Mm. We, we had these little burgers. Um, oh, okay. And, I mean, it was – I don't know what it, what it was about them, but they were just amazing. And I think we ate, we ate them like two or three times, and they – you get the- was, it, was it a fast food place? No. Oh, okay, okay. No, it wasn't. I mean, it was it was a little, a little tiny place, maybe six or seven tables inside – uh-huh. And it was just outside the Plaza Major. Okay. You you walk through the plaza and then, I mean, if I was there, I could probably take you right to it. Right, right. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's how many times we went over there. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, that's awesome. And, I mean, they, they were just really good. That's awesome. So Yeah, they have lots, lot, man, lots of food. I, I can't wait to go back and just literally, my wife and I is like, we're doing a we're doing a food tour. Like if we have to like schedule like a thing to see in between meals, then we'll do that. But <laughs> we're really going yeah, to eat. I mean, the chocolate there is amazing. Yes, um, absolutely. Different. There, it's different. Yeah, it different. And it's awesome. I mean, they, they have, uh, we went to the uh, Choco Museo and I mean, it was just everything oh, chocolate and it was just, you know, you could sit there and you could have crepes with chocolate and you had fresh chocolate milk. You know, they gave you warm, you know, hot milk and then you put in the, the uh, chocolate and you know, everything. It was just delicious there. And I ended up buying, I ended up buying chocolate soap, <laughs> which is, yeah, they, are you they, they had a bar of soap. That was made out of chocolate, and I mean, I I loved it. That's crazy. Smell, I loved how I smelled like chocolate. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> you was like it too. Yeah. <laughs> that is amazing. Yeah, uh, that's an, that's funny. That's triggered another memory when I was a kid. Another uh, school, what's like a field trip was to a factory. It was a like a candy. It was it was mainly chocolate and um, and like cookie factory. It must have been Field. Uh, they have a brand called Field, or they did. I don't know if they still do, but anyway, it was a factory, and you know they took all of us kids. I forget how, how old we were, probably fifth grade, fourth grade, or something like that. And then we like you go like up and down, and you saw like cookies being made, and you know chocolates, you know. And every once in a while, everybody will grab one, or they let us know, hey, grab this, and you can eat it. And it was amazing. I mean, you could the smell of just chocolate and oh, it was just ridiculous. And it was it was one of the funnest trips. So just the smell of that chocolate was just delicious, and like you know, being able to grab like cookies like right off the oven or whatever it was, or all the different stuff. And then they sent you home with like a bunch of you know stuff to take home. Oh, it's great. Yeah, 
So let's talk about some of the traditions that they have there. Cause I, you know, we, we saw the religious thing, mm-hmm. but you know, other than that, I don't, I didn't get to see much of traditional things going on. I, I saw some people walking through the streets with, you know, uh, traditional garb on, you know, it was really bright, yep. bright colors, beautiful, you know, head to toe. They were dressed in, I would say, you know, I, traditional clothing um you might not get some of that in lima Lima, but i know outside of lima a lot of the local communities they still do dress in in traditional clothing 100 percent. so um obviously like me as a kid i wasn't that you know influenced by that type of culture because we're just so far removed from from you know the the uh the native culture, I guess, you know, the, the Incan, in the, like Incan, um, culture. But if you just go like outside of Lima, Lima is just, it's just hyper populated at this point with yeah, it's everybody. I mean, a major metropolitan area. Absolutely. While there's so much to do there, it, it's, it's gotten away from a little bit of like, like you said, the, the, the traditional yes. settings. You can still see some, but it's not as much. You go outside and then it's all over the place. You go to Cusco and the majority of people look, or a lot of people look like 50% of that, if not more, look like that. I mean, that's their main source of income, like creating these, you know, these, these beautiful, bright colored, uh, clothing, hats, anything to do with, with clothing, uh, or, or, um, whatchamacallit, uh, blankets and yes. tablecloths and things like that. Um, you know, hats, obviously, um, a lot of bright colors, a lot of, um, and, and, and it's funny, like we went, we took a trip, we took a tour this time around when we went to Cusco, like of not only the, not only Machu Picchu, but Cusco itself. And the guy took us to, you know, a place where they actually did the, the, they would, do the clothing and stuff and, or they do these giant blankets and stuff. And they showed you how they did the dyes. So the dyes come from like, whether it's flowers or bugs mm-hmm. that they grind up and then they get the different, different dyes. And it, it was amazing. Like they show you how they did that and then how they dyed because it's all made out of basically llama and alpaca. Um, wool. Yeah. Basically wool. Yeah. So, um, they show you, you know, they, once they get it all, you know, they, they wash it and make sure that it's, you know, clean. And then they put it through these dyes to get the different, mm-hmm. the different colors and then how they basically, you know, put it into spools or whatever. And then they start creating these things. So it's a whole giant process. I mean, it takes forever to make a blanket. Um, and then, you know, they sell it for, pretty cheap comparatively i mean depending where you go like they'll charge you more wherever you buy it but if you buy it straight from the source even then they'll try to like you know they, they look at you and be like okay where you come from they kind of measure you up yeah. like this guy's a white dude so i'm gonna you know these are gonna go i'm gonna go that's good. it's 60 dollars. i'm like yeah come on dude like it it doesn't cost them as much obviously because it's not as expensive but it's you're paying for their time Obviously, it takes them a long time to do that stuff. So, and, they, and like you said, it's it's their major, you know, incomes. Absolutely. For, for so they they use the llamas obviously for llamas and alpacas for for that, and then obviously they they will cook them. Um, 
I had alpaca, I had an alpaca burger and alpaca lomo saltado, which is phenomenal. Both of them great. Um, you couldn't even tell that it was any other meat, which is weird. Yeah. So that's that's how they basically live, and it's very bright colored, um, and it just makes. I, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I I you know, unfortunately, I came here when I was fourteen, so I don't. Right. I'm, I know more about this culture here in California than I do in Peru at this point. But the the little bit that I did learn, it's, you know, has to be with the, those bright colors just show you like it's almost like a richness of the culture and like makes you happy and it's bright. And yeah, I, I don't know. That's the one thing I, I did see when when I did see them wearing the traditional garb or, you know, traditional clothes was it was bright. It was bright. And I mean, beautiful I, 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 you know lots of yellows and oranges and even bright blues and Bad you know, seeing that those colors and then where it was it was really cool to see you know yep. when we did get to see it in lima you know like you said it wasn't you don't see it very often there but outside absolutely and it's almost like a i wonder if it's almost like a celebration of like nature you know like this is what nature has to offer so i want to give you the richest and the brightest of yeah, that's where it's basically coming from. That's how they make it. It's not like they use like these artificial dyes to make this stuff. Right. You so, know, it's like you said. You you know they're using bugs and flowers and and plants to get the dyes and those colors that they are able to get are awesome. Amazing. Absolutely. So it's really 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 cool. Yeah, we bought a we brought a bunch of stuff back. <laughs> it was great. A bunch of blankets and the chuyos, uh-huh. the hats. Oh yeah, and it's. That's really really cool. Yeah. So in, in Lima, you don't you don't see it as much, but you just go out anywhere outside of Lima, and then you see a whole bunch of that. Um, so it's pretty cool. Yeah, it is. It is nice. It is really cool to see. Um, so, what about some of the traditions that may be in Peruvian culture? Sure. So, uh, for example, okay, so we just had New Year. We had Christmas and New Year's, right? So let's start with that, like something fresh. So. Christmas, the big thing is Nochebuena, which is like uh, Christmas Eve. That is the biggest celebration, more than Christmas itself. Um, that's where you have the big dinner and you have a previous dinner late because basically, and I think a lot of a lot of Latin America and maybe even Europe, um, you know, you usually have breakfast, you have lunch, you have usually like a tea time type of thing. Um, and then you have dinner and then it might not happen till like eight, nine, 10 o'clock at night. So, um, usually our big Christmas dinner, Christmas Eve dinner would be like around 10, um, 10 o'clock and then you eat and then you talk around the table and have fun and the kids would be up. Yeah. Um, and then at midnight is when basically Santa Claus comes and then that's when you open presents. I remember, you know, um, like our parents would like make us go to sleep for just a little bit, right, right before Christmas, and then we they wake us up right after midnight. Hey, Santa Claus just came. You can't. You, you go to the field. Oh my gosh, there's our, our our toys or whatever. And then we would play with them for like an hour or whatever until we like completely exhausted. Right. Meanwhile, the parents are like you know partying up and <laughs> having fun, and then you sleep. And then you don't wake up until whenever you wake up the next morning. You don't have to wake up at like six in the morning to open presents. You know, you, right. the kids already played. The kids will wake up and play with their stuff and their parents can get to sleep their hangover all over, you know, like they're just, or whatever. So you, yeah, it's kind of actually an interesting thing. It's like, you just let everybody party up 
the night before and then you know you don't have to wake up so early the next morning right um nativity sets are really huge in peru because obviously culturally like i mean religion's a big part of it so <clears throat> there's this big, big bright um nativity sets that you can get i mean we still have we have uh we have quite a few traditional peruvian nativity sets in our house yeah. uh we, it has this the one that we used to have from when we were you know when i was a kid it used to have this like paper that was made at like it was like basically painted green paper with like and then somebody had grabbed like different color like um like white blue reds and stuff and just kind of sp- splattered it all over so it looks like stars okay and then you can kind of make like a mountain out of it and that's your background and then you put your little figurines all oh. around it and it was you know it was this gigantic you know nativity set because you're celebrating the birth of your of the savior you know and then right so at night like in midnight that's when you put the the you know figurine of christ in in there and you know it's those things that you remember that are really cool the other thing that's culturally huge is fireworks i mean you know we talk about the fourth of july here that's the only time that you basically have fireworks well in peru is and i guess new year's but when your neighbors kind of want to just blow up some m80s or something around here over there oh man new year's is out of control and they start selling fireworks at the beginning of december or like mid-december so you blow them all up during christmas and the whole week and then you finish it all up on New Year's, New Year's Eve, where you, I mean, the whole town blows up in, in fireworks. It's oh, wow. ridiculous. Um, you know, July 28th is Independence Day for Peru, so they also have fireworks there. But, man, fireworks is a big, big, huge deal um, around New Year's. And then you have traditions like, for example, and we still do this at home. Um, so we do the 24th at with my parents and our kids, we celebrate the 24th. Right. Uh, we have a big dinner. And then with my in-laws, we do the traditional American. We wake up in the morning and, you know, right. do the Christmas and then Christmas day meal. Um, and then for New Year's, you know, I stayed up with my kids this year. Like both of them were able to stay 10, 10 and seven. They all look forward to staying up. But my, my wife likes to make like, for kids to stay up during that time is pretty boring. Yeah. So what she does is like, it's a tradition that we kind of came up with. It's just like every 30 minutes or every 15 minutes, she has balloons and she puts a little, she, she writes a little thing, like a little activity to do. And then, and then she puts it in the balloon, blows it up just barely. And then she puts the time and then she puts those balloons in a box. And then the kids every so like, Oh, it's eight thirty. Let's where's the eight thirty balloon? Okay, here it is. They pop it. And it's like, oh, we gotta do like we're gonna do karaoke or we're gonna play a game or we're gonna do whatever. So yeah. it makes it so every so often they're doing something, so time goes up really right. fast. And all of a sudden it's you know almost midnight and we're doing the countdown and then a Peruvian thing to do is like right after right at midnight, you go underneath the table and you eat twelve grapes because that signifies, you know, health and, and, and prosperity on the 12, 12 months of the year, throughout the 12 months of the year. So we do that all the time. Even though my oldest really doesn't like grapes, we <laughs> will <laughs> yeah, that, that's, so that's, that's sort of similar to what, uh, you know, they, they do in Venezuela. You know, my wife and I, we get the grapes, 12 of them, yeah. and we actually, you know, we – 
you eat them, I, I believe, the last 12 seconds of the year. Correct. And so for each one that you eat, you make a wish. You yep. make a wish, you make a wish, and then on the 12th, you make the wish, and it's a new year. And, you know, but, yeah, it's, it's similar to what, what you do. My parents, it's funny, the, the Christmas, the New Year's before we came to this country mm-hmm. is the first time that she, we, what she did is like, what we're going to do is like, we're going to pack our, like, empty bags, like our maletas, our, our you know, suitcases, and we're going to go around the block. And we're going to walk around the block. And that's going to mean that we're going to go on a trip next year. Okay. So we did that that year. And then we ended up coming here. Oh, wow. Which is, which is bananas. I was like, did you guys plan this? Maybe. But anyway, it was cool. It was cool as a kid. I was like stoked. Like, oh, this is going to happen. You know? Um, other things is like you wear, you wear yellow underwear to like yeah. money, you know? Yeah. The, my, my wife, you know, Venezuelan, they do this. It must thing. be a, it must be a Latin American thing, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Except I, I didn't have any this year. I didn't. Me neither. So I'm going to be broke this year. So we'll see. <laughs> Yellow stains count? I don't know. <laughs> but uh, it's, it, you know, you have things like that. Uh, traditions that usually happen to do with like food or culture, mainly used uh, during, uh, you know, national holidays and festivities and stuff like that. So like you said, you saw the the procesiones. That's what it's called, like a procession. Yes, is when they go and and then they do that. Um, you know, tons of people, and then they have like a statue or like a thing of a, a saint or a, a virgin or something like that. And they, you know, they go around uh, October. They have the big procession. Oh man, I I suck because I forget because it's been such a long time. But they they have usually food that goes along with that. Turon is one of the main things that they have in October because it happens to be with that. And I think it has to do with, I forget what saint it is. I, my, my sister would kill me if she hears this. Like, how do you not know this? But um, anyway, like a lot of uh, food that goes along with that particular um, holiday. Same thing. I mean, you talk about Thanksgiving, you have to have turkey, you know, right? It's kind of a thing. So it's sort of that. Yeah, uh, they seem to have a lot of things to celebrate, so they usually has to do with food. So, like, yeah. we're gonna have this or that. Yeah, I mean, uh, I know around the world there's a lot more celebration of everything than there is here in the United States. We don't celebrate all that much. Yeah. I, I, you know, what's funny? I think there are celebrations. Of, you know, you have day like you know this day and that day and the other, but you know, we're so hyper focused on working. Yeah. And you're not going to take that time off. You're not going to do any of that stuff. And I think other parts of the world are like, we're taking this day off and we're celebrating it. We're, you know, so they make a deal out of it. And it might have something to do with like how like, you know, there's a lot of stress, I think, in this country compared to other countries. You know, they you hear about other people taking like, you know, a month vacation or, or holidays off and. It's like a month. How? It's like, oh yeah, that's just normal. That's standard. Nope, not here. You got two weeks, maybe after you work for a year or two, yeah. and or a week off, and that's it. I mean, yeah. So you, we're obviously talking about capitalism and prosperity. That's kind of comes with it, but at what price too? Like, right. You can have, you know, prosperity, capitalism, all that other stuff, but still also have some time to like take care of the individual, like. uh you know, celebrating certain things, taking a day off and doing oh, yeah. all that stuff. For sure. I mean, I, I, it's, it's, you know, you, and sometimes you hear it's 
you go to take a day off and you, you, you almost feel bad. You feel guilty, right? Absolutely. You're sick. I, I'm not sick. I got to go work. And right. that's, that's part of our culture. Like it's, you work, yeah. it's great, but I think you, you forget about yourself and your family when you do that. Cause it's all about the work, 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 work. And then right. maybe you retire and then you die the next day or something. Yeah. And that's, it's like, yeah. what did you work for? Like yeah. we're able to enjoy life as, you know, as it happens, you have to, you have to wait to yeah. reap those benefits. And, you know, there's, that's something that we need to learn to like slow down perhaps. I, I agree. I agree with that. I mean, culturally we, we do uh, here in America, we are very work driven, you know, Absolutely. work, 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 work. And it's good. But, it, it's good. But, but at, at, like you said, at, at what cost, you know, I mean, <laughs> they, they, you know, we can have a balance there. I think we can, we can work on a balance there somehow. Yeah. I, you know, we get, We'd be happier, I think, if five, we do that. Five or six paid days off. Yeah. Here, and that's pretty much it. You that's know, it. Outside, you go outside and they have, you know, this whole week's off because of Holy Week. And, you know, nobody, right. they, they celebrate this, they do that. And, you know, that's all over. Here, yeah. Well, you can have this one day off. Okay. You, you're talking about culture. Soccer is huge. Obviously, Peru, Latin America, actually all the whole world, soccer is a giant thing. So, man, Peru lately, last couple of years, their their soccer team has actually been really good. And not only just like their own national soccer team, but like, you know, they have ligas, different different leagues and stuff like that. So still a big deal. So when I remember when Peru qualified for the World Cup, which had been – over 30 years, I want to say, since they qualified. And this was just the last World Cup. Right after they qualified. So they played, I forget where they played. Um, I think they played in Lima and they won. Yeah. And they qualified. The next day, the, the, I mean, that night or the next day, the Peruvian president said, tomorrow is a holiday. Nobody works. Right. Go ahead and party. Because they knew everybody's going to stay up and party like crazy. Yeah. When, when, so When we were in Lima... They, I want to say they had just won or qualified or something. And we, because we stayed at an Airbnb and our our Airbnb host, they, they got us these, these scarves, you know, with Lima World Cup on it. And it was really cool because they were so happy about it. Absolutely. You know, they're passing these things out to just, you know, two people that were staying in their Airbnb and it was really cool. A hundred percent. Yes. I mean, so soccer is a big part of the culture and, you know, everybody is behind it, especially when they're winning, obviously. I mean, like that's a big deal. So it, you know, you're going to make a holiday out of it. Like, and that's what they did. I mean, they just took the day off. He said, country stopping. We're not doing anything tomorrow. We're celebrating and that's it. And that's what it was. So (laughs) (laughs) it's crazy. I say it's almost like, here, the Super Bowl would almost be like right. that, except yeah. I would say soccer in, especially in South America and Europe and those, it's bigger. It's a bigger so it's like a religion. Even even American football, it's like a religion. Yeah, <laughs> it's bigger, yeah. huge. You know, and I know Super Bowl is the most watched, you know, televised event here in the United States, but that's a one day thing. I mean, soccer in different parts of the world is way bigger. Absolutely. 
it, it is part of their culture. Yeah, and it's fun. I mean, people get super excited. Even when they lose, I mean, it's like, depends. Like, I mean, depends how the, the, the game went. If, if they lost and they tried hard and there was no, like, crazy stuff from, like, the the um, the referee, then, you know. Right. Most countries would be like, hey, it's good, good game, it was good, blah, 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 we're behind our team. When the ref messes up, like, for example, at last, Peru just played Brazil a couple months ago, and man, that, that so it was a Chilean uh, ref, and Peru and Chile don't get along when it comes to like soccer. Mm-hmm. They don't. Um, they have been rivals forever. So anyway, basically, there was a big controversy that that ref made some really bad calls, like gave things to the to the Brazilians and, and also happens to like, you know, there's cons- these I don't know, conspiracies, but basically Brazil owns the CONCACAF, I think, which is like the big uh, league in, in Latin America. And uh, so they almost, it almost feels like, or they, they say, Oh, like the refs are all bought out by, by Brazil. So they give them like leeway and stuff like that. That that was a dirty game. That that ref made some bad calls and gave some penalty shots to Brazil that shouldn't have happened and didn't call it for Peru. So they ended up losing, I think, four to two or four to one or something. I forget what it was. But if you saw it, like it's like, man, Peru should have won that or at least should have tied or something. And right. it was it was a big deal. I mean, people were just so angry at that ref. Yeah. And that's something you don't want to make anybody angry because, man, like, <laughs> I know Colombia, like, when Colombia a couple years ago was in the, in the, um, in the World Cup and one of the players screwed up and scored against its own team, against the Colombia team, that guy ended up getting murdered when he got home. I mean, it's, Jesus. it's a big deal. It is, <laughs> it's it a is big a, deal. Yeah. It, it, it's a very big deal, especially yeah. in South America. I mean, it's, it's, a, it, it is a big part of their culture. I mean, absolutely. hundred percent is uh, soccer here, but you know, it's yeah. a big part of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so, how does music and, and music and dance play into the Peruvian culture? Uh, it's another big thing. I mean, you, you grew up with music, you know, in your house all the time. I guess much like here, but it's obviously different. There's a lot of influences again that, like African and um, Incan culture, meld. Um, you can hear in the music the the drums when it comes like like these African beats. Mm-hmm. Um, you can hear that in in the music, uh, and then when you go into like the Andes, there's a lot of flutes and a lot of things because that's what they they can build. Uh, they call them kenas. It's like those those made of like bamboo, almost looks like. Right. And uh, have, you know different lengths on the flute and. Yep, yep. So you can hear that in, in a lot of the traditional music, um, and I think not only goes with Peru, but a lot of Latin America. You have that. Um, and there's a a lot of a lot of pride with like when it comes to like music, you know, like Spanish music, uh, 
in music in español, so music in Spanish. So as as we go through through the years or whatever, you talk about like rock and all that stuff. Well, rock in español, then that's pretty huge too. So like, um, a lot of any any type of music that's in Spanish, whether it's like salsa and you know reggaeton, which is like a new thing. So all that stuff, it's like that's my wife's favorite. Reggaeton. Oh yeah, it's it's a big deal. So, but. Every 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 party, every occasion that you have, like to celebrate, a, whether it's a birthday party or a get together with friends or anything like that, there's always music, and it's usually salsa or in the salsa is a lot of it, like you know that um, like Caribbean influenced and um, but salsa, Peruvian like Peruvian music. Um, whether it's like Indian, Indian or Incan type of music, but it's all contemporary music as well. Um, there's always that element on every single, you know, um, reunion that you have or get together. There always, there's always that included. Right. Um, restaurants. Um, if you go to a Peruvian restaurant, it usually will have it's. You know, yeah. it's only. It's funny. It's even. And it's even here. Like, I mean, I, I've gone to Peruvian restaurants here, and you will hear music. It's basically, oh, that's um, you're listening. It's Peruvian music because you hear like the flute, doo, 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 whatever. And then, but it's oh, it's the sound of silence by Simon or Garfunkel. But it's made like it's a Peruvian version of it. Or it's like, yeah, it's like contemporary songs, but they're they're covered huh. by you know artists. Or, or somebody who's playing traditional Peruvian instruments, which is hilarious. And it's great. I mean, it's like, I know this song. Oh, it's whatever, you know, it's an 80s song or it's whatever. It's like, oh, it's Enter Sandman and Metallica, but it's made in like, you know, with flutes and stuff like that. So yeah. it's it's pretty cool. Like they, they love to do that and people love hearing that. So they'll play that in like restaurants and things. It's sort of like Musac, you know, like uh, the stuff that you hear, elevator music. Oh, yeah. That's that type of thing, but it's with Peruvian instruments. So it's interesting. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, so it's it's. I mean, it's everywhere. I mean, it's like you said, all the celebrations, restaurants, and everything that's going in. Yes, absolutely. How does? Because you came over, you said when you were fourteen. Fourteen, yeah. Mm-hmm. How has how have you been able to? keep a hold of some of those traditions from Peru here in the United States, you know, with, with being married now to an American and how are you keeping some of those traditions and some of your Peruvian culture alive here? But admittedly I'm horrible. Cause I, I, <laughs> I, uh, I lived here so long that, you know, English is right. really the easiest thing to speak. So Spanish becomes almost like my second language because it's harder. I have to like think about it. I mean, I can speak it obviously and I can read it and write it, but at a 14 year old's level. So it's um, because that's virtually kind of where it stops. Other than like my parents, you know, speaking to me in Spanish still, and that's not a problem, but I can communicate, but still I'm always like, how do you say this? How do you say that? I I hate it. Um, So I am admittedly terrible at, you know, showing my kids, the language per se. Right. But I really try to take them 
I would try to cook Peruvian food. Like my wife does this mean rice. Oh, she's, she's got it down. Like Peruvian rice, just basically a lot of garlic. And even though it's just white rice is whatever gets served, but it's not, it's lots of flavor in it. So a lot of like a lot of food that we'll try to do, we'll try to do Loma Saltado. We'll try to do like different things at home, the things that we can make. Right. Um, but we'll try to go to like Peruvian restaurants so they can get to know like the flavors and, uh, We'll try to do some like tr- the traditions that we're making, like for example, like Christmas Eve and, right. and New Year's and whatever. Like in Tucho Julio is the 28th of July. It's in the uh, Peruvian Independence Day. We'll celebrate that. We'll try. Like my kid got really into soccer, so we were like watching games and things like that and following the Peruvian teams. Um, because he was playing, and obviously because of the pandemic, he hasn't been able to play. So we kind of right. dropped a little bit of that, but. You know, I try to get them excited um, on the things that at least a little bit that I remember and I know. Um, it's something that I, sh- I need to do even more yeah, um, to kind of showcase that. But it's just not only that, also celebrate, like, the culture that I have here in, right. in California. Be, like, Mexican culture and Vietnamese culture, whatever cultures are here more prevalent in this country, or at least in this part of the country in, right. in California. Right. But, Southern California is, is very... Uh, very diverse. Right. So just like my parents used to take me just about everywhere in Peru so I can I can get to know uh, the different culture and flavor because every part of every part of uh, Peru, like different the different cities and different departamentos, which is states, whatever, um, have their own their, their own different uh, clothing, different foods, different things like that. So they try to instill that in me, like understand it and and learn it and love it. You know, that's part of you. Well, so the same thing, like, just like here, where you have different parts of the United States have, you know, di- I mean, it's almost a different culture, and they have different food, and they have different absolutely have different traditions and things like that. So I, I yeah, I can see where going going throughout you know Peru and, and seeing all these different things of where you know, it all comes together and seeing the different aspects of the culture is, is. Yeah. So, so I try to do that with them, like not only just with Peruvian culture, but like with all everything around here. So like, I'll get my, my kids like, Hey, like it's, it's funny. Uh, I went to visit my parents not too long ago there in San Diego. And then there's a little Indian market in, in San Diego and, uh, by Santee. And we went and we had some, we had some, uh, it's, it's not, like Indian, like almost like that's Middle Eastern, pretty pretty much not, not just Indian, but um, we had Middle Eastern food, and my both my kids really liked it. They had like kebabs and stuff, and they were into it. And after that, we went to the little market and saw like all the different things. And my wife goes, "Hey, look at this!" And it's basically like it was a packet of spicy masala, um, like t- like top ramen. Mm-hmm but it's like masala flavor. So it's Indian flavor. Right. So I'm like, Oh, that sounds good. Like, so you should get it. I'm like, that's eh, probably, you know, probably not going to be that good. So I just get it. I'm like, okay, I'll get this. So I got, it's like a pack of six. So one day I go and make it, you know, and you can smell the, you know, the, the, the masala, the, the flavors are really pungent. Right. So my, my son, my oldest is like, what is that? It's like, it's a spicy, spicy noodles. You probably not gonna like it. it's too spicy. He's like, no, I want to try it. 
So now my oldest is super picky. So I, the fact that he wanted to try it, I'm like, okay, you're not going to like it, but whatever. It's such a powerful flavor, you know? So I make it, and then I give him something. He's like, this is delicious. I want to keep eating I'm like, you're just saying that because I told you that you wouldn't like it. No, no, I really like it. Well, he finished it. And then the next day, he asked for more. And I was like, okay, I'll make it. He ate it. I'm like, holy cow, he really likes it. So then I, I've been ordering that stuff. Huh. You know, even though it's like a simple, like it's a top ramen, but it's that flavor that eventually will be like a gateway to like, because he wants to try like Indian foods. Like maybe I'm like, you know, I, I want to know about like Indian stuff and then like Chinese food. Like I want to know about like Chinese culture. So that's how I think through food, you can get to introduce a lot of those cultures, you know? That's one of the things I think in, in every culture is very important is their food right. you know, because they're everybody, each culture has a very distinct culture of food, you know, Absolutely. The spices that they use yep. and the ingredients that they use and what, what it is that they're eating is very right. distinct for all the different cultures. And it's in, like you said, it's a gateway into any culture is their food. You know, you can, you can talk about clothing, you can talk about traditions, you can talk about music, but I think the food is, Absolutely. is one of the most important things because food goes with all of that. hundred percent. You know, and you know, all your traditions, there's what's involved food. You have food at family gatherings, you have food at, you know, just every day and all the flavors that go in. I mean, you can eat something from, you know, Peru and, and know that that's Peruvian. Right. Right. Eat, you know, a, an arepa from Venezuela and know that that's a Venezuelan arepa. Right. And, you know, you can eat something from, you know, from a, a, a Polish sausage and know right. that that is from this area of the world because it's right. so distinctive. The flavor, it goes with those cultures. Right. You, you might not understand. You're just like, wow, this tastes different, but it tastes really good. Like, what is that? Like, yeah, you, and then absolutely each culture has its own flavor or a, a lot of familiar flavors. So you like Mexican foods, like they use a lot of like cheese and beans. Actually, what we know, I think as, as Mexican is probably different than actually when, if you were to go yeah. to Mexico, this is from what I, from my, I haven't gone to Mexico. My sister's gone to Mexico a bunch of times and she's like, oh dude, that food is totally different. It's way better. I'm like, yeah. and so that again, that's another mix of culture, like right. Mexican American food, right? Mex Mex you know? food, you know, which is now it, 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 hey. its own thing. Delicious. It's just different. It's not yeah. real Mexican. You know, Mexican people, the real Mexican people, come here like, what is this crap? But right. it's different. It's good. It's you know, everything you have to appreciate it. Not not knock it all. If you're a purist, I guess, same thing with Peruvian food or any other stuff. If you're a purist, like, oh, this is crap. The real thing is this. It's like, mm, yeah, but there is beauty in that, in that melting of different cultures and right. creating something new. That is really cool. That's how literally Peruvian food became what it is. It's like right. getting um, like Incan food with African with Chinese with European with whatever right. and local stuff and to create something out of necessity you know because this is all we have because we're poor and we're going to eat you know beef hearts because that's all they give the and you know they give the, the peasants and stuff like that so you just make marinade to like to make those flavors kind of go away and all of a sudden it's like oh my gosh this is delicious yeah 
uh, to same thing with like, I want to say like lobster was the same thing here. Like, I mean, seafood was like lobsters, literally lobster and shrimp and all that stuff. You really think about it. It's basically the bugs of the, of the, <laughs> of the sea, you know? So like you give that to, you know, poor people are going to eat this stuff here. You guys can have that. We're going to eat the real nice fish. And meanwhile, they, you know, make these boils and make this, these things out of them. Like, my gosh, this is delicious. Like you, you know, you don't realize it till years later. Yeah. So, so that's kind of how, you know, you get to, out of necessity comes, you know. Yeah, and it's mm-hmm. it's really interesting to see just where, you know, the food comes from. So, like you said, you have influence from Incans and Africans and Chinese and mm-hmm. all these different, you know, all these other different cultures bringing something into this food to make it very distinct to now the Peruvian sure. culture of food. Right. It's, it's fascinating. Yeah, it is. It's, it's a, uh, it's a interesting thing to see. And, uh, food, I think is the, like you said, the gateway into a culture. I mean, it's, it's I love it's it. important to every culture, you know, is, is the food, you know, I mean, even here, if you go to, uh, you know, Louisiana, Oh yeah. Food there is is completely different than say, I mean here, yeah, you know, or in say you know North Dakota or right. anywhere else you know. But but in each of these areas, there's there's distinct food because of thing, yeah, from other cultures in that area, which which gives it its own food culture. Absolutely, it's awesome. Yeah. So, um, I think that we will wrap it up. I think that was uh, oh, cool, fun time, and I I, I enjoyed Absolutely. I enjoyed talking about Peruvian culture, and it's it's always nice to learn new things about it. Yeah, it's making me hungry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, here, here. Well, so um, I'm going to say goodbye to everybody. I usually uh, uh, is there anything else you would like to add? Well, um, just like the thing that. You know, I think it's it's cool to have these these podcasts to kind of, you know, bring forth different cultures and stuff. And the best thing is to just get to know them, you know, and, and start where you are at, you know, getting to know your own local culture and uh, the the culture of your city, your state, your country. And then luckily, because we are in America or wherever this, actually this podcast can be heard anywhere. Yeah. You can you know, get to know your area first. And then hopefully, most likely, is a melting pot of different cultures. So then you start tasting different things and that's becomes the gateway to try to get to know other cultures as well. Yeah. And it, appreciate the, them, you know, the point of this, this podcast for me is, you know, um, you know, I'm a student of anthropology and cultural anthropology specifically. And I just find that there's so many people out there that, just don't know about other cultures or they have only a tiny bit of information about a culture and they, they judge it on that tiny bit of information, sure. but they don't know a whole lot. And right. so the point, the point of this, this podcast for me is to bring culture to people all over the world to say, Hey, there's other cultures out there. Some, some might be similar to you and right. just to educate people and, and give them some more knowledge of, all these other aspects of, of people out there right. that they, they may not know. 
Right. I mean, luckily, I'm not a picky eater. I actually love to try new stuff. That's my favorite thing. Like, if I've never tried it, like, I want to try it. And that's what makes me really appreciate that particular culture. Like, how, how do you come up with this? What or how do these flavors come around? And that's how you kind of get to know that particular culture and appreciate it, you know? And then there's some things that are like really weird and you don't want to taste them, maybe, or you want to taste them one time. Like, uh, I have friends who are Vietnamese and then they would always take me like Vietnamese restaurants or Chinese restaurants, like, let's go. So they had me try like this, like hundred year old egg, whatever the Chinese restaurant. I'm like, I'm going to try it. I don't care. Black. And it was weird. It was interesting. I I wouldn't say like, I'm going to order this all the time, but Hey, I tried it. It's cool. But how did that come about? You know, like, why would, why would that be it? Hey, somebody just, I, I don't know. I, I, you know, something yeah, and, and, it, and then it kind of leads you into that path of maybe learning more about those different cultures. Yeah. And like you said, like it, there's more things that make us similar than makes us uh, different, you know, and it's those differences too that makes it interesting and it makes you just kind of want to be like, this is really cool. Like, yeah. And, and as different, you know, people there are all across the world, you know, it, with globalization and everything, we, we, the world is much smaller than it used yes, to be. Yes, 100%. So now all these cultures are starting to mix yep. and influence each other more and more and more and more. And it's now evolving all cultures, really. Absolutely. And Absolutely. there's, there's I, you know, even some, some tribes that are still, you know, say in, in South America, like the Yanomami and, and whatnot, you know, while they are, isolated they're not a hundred percent isolated anymore right. they still have they do have some outside influence now kind of integrating with their culture while they they do hold on to the culture of you know the past of 500,000 years ago you know it, it's starting to mix a little bit absolutely and it's it's interesting to see and i that, that's the whole reason of this podcast is just to bring culture to people that they may not have known about absolutely that's really really cool so thanks for um, having me. Yeah, thank you for joining. Uh I, I like to end the podcast with a little saying that I have, and it's people don't feel the smile of your face. It's a smile of our hearts that people feel. Awesome. So I uh I thank you for coming on the, the podcast and it was thanks. very interesting. And I thank you, Nick. Thank you very much. All right, see you guys. Bye.